the movement of Mississippi. This is your hostess, Tiffany Jefferson, and this is One Movement Moving Forward. We are talking today about the truth about teacher pay. I've got an excellent guest, Top Notch, from Heinz Community College. Yes, I said it. This is the choir director, Mr. Andrew Head. Mr. Head, Andrew, how are you doing? I'm well, Tiffany. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for doing this for me today. I appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me. One thing I love about Andrew, I'm going to say to my professor and to the potential listeners out there, is that Andrew is a brilliant man, uh, very well educated, and obviously the choir director is definitely a show man, if you will. So I'm glad that he's here today talking about uh, the truth about teacher pay. So let's just kind of jump into gear. One of the topics, uh, Andrew, that I wanted to talk with the, the public about is that teacher pay has a misguided information, and you can elaborate on that. And what I'm suggesting is that most individuals, I think everyone knows about the um, teacher underpaid profession, and that's nothing new in our society. However, it kind of lends itself to thinking that all educators are as poor as Joe's turkey. That's my that's my joke for the moment. Hmm. What do you think about that? <laughs> what do you think about that information? Well, I don't think most educators are poor as Joe's turkey, nor are they <laughs> <laughs> um, rolling in it either. I'm sure there are some right. outliers out there. Most people fall somewhere in the middle of lower middle class when it comes to teachers' income. I would say the thing that defines whether or not they are making less or making more as a unit is whether or not they're married. In general, Mm -hmm. unmarried teachers are leaning more towards poor as Joe Turkey, whereas those who have a second income source are usually doing just fine. That is a good source of information. Um, There's also, uh, this is partly true that I would say, over 80% of educators are probably living comfortably. However, we don't know who's married and who's got a trust fund and this, that, and the other. And we also don't know about the 20% approximately that have multiple incomes, whether it be a second job, a side hustle, et cetera. What are your thoughts about that? Well, right off the bat, I'm just thinking about the different people that I work with, and I'm aware that most of them have a second source of income. I'm just going down the list. I'm sure there are exceptions, but Mm -hmm. most of them in general do have a second source of income. I have had a second source of income to help supplement uh, myself. And I think that it happens a lot, even if it's not spoken about a great deal in music specifically, a lot of times it'll have to do with church work or taking paying gigs private on lessons. private private lessons and all that. Mm-hmm. I would say that musicians are known for their side hustle as much as almost anyone is the art in the arts to right. make ends meet to live comfortably. Do you feel like that concept of having another source of income devalues the teaching profession profession? I think that there's a lot of different ways to look at that issue. Um, okay. Well, the way that I think that it would devalue the teaching profession is in this. When it comes to the amount of energy and attention someone has to give their primary job, 
you know, in an ideal mm -hmm. world, I would think most of us would have one profession. And when we are on the clock, that really needs to be what we're thinking about and giving our all to, especially when you consider the service nature of education and how we're trying to bring the very best out of our students. Mm. I think having lower incomes that necessitate a second job really pulls focus away from that educational mission. So to piggyback off what you just said, the contribution to society that educators make, is that being valued? I guess that's really, that, breath. <laughs> Well, I think it really depends on who you ask about that. Okay. Um, I think that there are still a great number of people who think that teachers are glorified babysitters, regardless mm -hmm. of what age range they teach. And, you know, that got me to thinking about that is, do you happen to know how much it costs to have an hour of babysitting now? Now, you know, my kids are out of that stage. So, but I still get a babysitter from time to time. So you're looking at 10 plus. Per kid. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you had 25 students in a classroom, that would mean at least $250 an hour for a babysitter hey, to take care of I that like the way you think. seven hours a day. <laughs> so that's almost $2,000 per class. Let's assume 180. So let's say that we were babysitters, you know, we're still underpaid. Yes. Um, I, like immensely. I, I do think that there's a lot of people in society who value educators and teachers because we help people find their way in the world and what it is that they want to do. And most importantly, how to meet deadlines and hold themselves accountable because a lot of what a classroom teacher does other than just importing, imparting knowledge to others is we set deadlines and we set tasks and we help people to meet those deadlines so, yes. And we give them a grade for it. And we do that over and over. And multiple instructors do that. And after a period of time, they're awarded a diploma or a degree that not only teaches, tells a potential employer that this person has gained that knowledge, but also that they are responsible enough to trust with a task. That was very well spoken. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, You're welcome. But, that was very well stated, honestly. I mean, it was very concise in that. Who would go against that? Why? Better question. Why would anyone go against the statement that you just gave? Yet another. The world will never know. Uh, huh? an, another deep breath. Um, okay. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're asking the big question now. Um, I do think that there are some parties that gain value from having a populace that has fewer skills and less critical thinking ability, especially if they benefit from low paid, unskilled labor. Well stated. I wonder if my listeners are, can, can read between the lines on what you just said, because this is the main thing that we educate against and that's very true so do you think that that thought process keeps the educators who are trying to bridge that gap underpaid well 
That's interesting. That that is a different uh, approach that I didn't even think about. Well, let's just think about it like this. If all teachers made enough money to really concentrate on their job and to afford the things that would allow them to have a lower stress existence so that they could really, correct. really, really concentrate on their students, one would assume that the students would benefit. If that happened mm. every single year, the students would continue to benefit, would have greater skills, greater responsibility, more one-on-one -on -one time in the collegiate atmosphere, potentially more office hour interaction in the secondary in the secondary um, field. They'd have more one-on-one -on -one time with their teacher or maybe smaller classroom sizes. I think we could surmise that having that higher teacher pay would lead to better student outcomes, which over a period of years, in fact, would lead to a more skilled and intelligent society. Workforce and society. Oh, my goodness. This is a conspiracy, folks out there. Y'all, teachers need to get paid. <laughs> but Well, it just depends on do you like living around a lot of people who can analyze situations and be responsible and have it. high skills? Or do you prefer people who... Um, don't value citation in your news sources. Well, you've already, you already know my answer to that. <laughs> and just one more aspect. Most people talk about the teacher pay gap. Now, with the teacher pay gap, that requires us to have a, a contrast, a comparison contrast to other professions. Because uh, an individual could say that, hey, if an individual's been in the profession for 10 years, they're making X amount of dollars, isn't that enough? So some of that teacher pay gap does require uh, the teaching profession to be compared to other professions that require the same amount of education, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, et cetera. However, with the teacher pay gap, that EPI is also suggesting, and that EPI's Economic Policy Institute is also comparing, uh, comparing that another profession should be potentially be paid less in order for teachers to be paid more. What's your thoughts on that? I there's another. I, I I struggle with the logic on that on yes. that concept, but. Going to the concept of comparing teacher salaries to salaries in the private sector. Let's talk about the private sector for a moment. Why does this person who does this position get paid this amount? Well, generally, mar the market forces. The more skilled a position is and the more difficult to acquire those skills, generally, the number of people who can do it goes down. Based on the demand for that, that's what sets the salary. So if you have a nuclear physicist, they, there just aren't that many people out there who happen to be nuclear physicists. So they're going to demand a high salary. There aren't a lot of people who get put in the time and energy to become a neurosurgeon. The more complicated it is, generally the fewer people who do it. Therefore, Correct. with a smaller talent pool, they can demand a higher salary. The lower the skill set, the lower the pay. The issue in educational pay is our pay is not really set by market forces. It's set by institutions that have very complicated diagrams that enforce those numbers. 
Um, and we've been hearing for years now about teacher shortages. I know around a decade or more ago, there was a successful program called Teach for America. Why did Teach for America become a situation? If you don't know what Teach for America is, listeners, that was a program that allowed people who had a bachelor's degree to petition to go into a classroom and seek additional certifications that would allow them to become teachers without a teaching degree. The reason is people didn't want to be teachers. Why didn't people want to be teachers? The pay had gotten to such a, such a level where the amount of investment required in getting a degree in education was not worth it to them. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely correct. So I think that one of the things about education and comparing it to the private sector is as a job becomes more in demand, the pay goes up. As the pay goes up, more people are interested in developing those skills. Several years ago, there was a lot of talk about a nursing shortage. Well, pay for nurses and especially traveling nurses went through the roof. So a lot of people started going to nursing school. I don't know how easy it's going to be to correct our educational pay situation because the market cannot play a a role in driving that salary up. That is fabulous. Andrew, I want to say thank you for your time and your knowledge and expertise is really outstanding. Well, do you have any? Go ahead. I just spend far too much time thinking about brainy things, Miss Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're an excellent educator. Well, I- Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And this is the movement of Mississippi. I'm your hostess, Tiffany Jefferson, and yet again, we are one movement moving forward.